Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. In this episode, we're going to cover some frequently asked questions that I get through our Facebook group and uh, other means. And I'm going to start out with an uh, owner financing question here. And this is from one of our listeners. He says, uh, I've had some questions on your strategies for owner financing on single family residential properties. And he asked, is it the best strategy? to convince the seller that this will guarantee cash flow for years to come and try to allow them to make payments, uh, to take payments rather for the longest period of time. I'm going to break the sentence up. I'm going to repeat the first part again. Is it the best strategy to convince the seller that this will guarantee cash flow? I don't like to use the word convinced. I'm a firm believer in the old adage. It says a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And to me, that means I can't convince anybody of anything, really, at the end of the day. Uh, in other words, what I need to be focused on is educating them, if need be, on the benefits of the offer that I'm putting out there. If I try to talk them into it, if I go in with a mindset that I'm talking them into it, my chances of success are going to be low. Therefore, i got to take the time to get to the seller's pain. I need to figure out what exactly they need the cash for. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, that's kind of invasive. That's an invasive question. I'd, if you ask me that question, I'd tell you to go pack sand. Well, and unfortunately, a lot of people do. That's the unfortunate reality of it. There's no way you're getting around it. But you need to get practiced, get polished, get refined on learning how to ask these questions in order to yield a response and get the information. Because at the end of the day, you have to learn and you have to master the art of becoming, becoming a pig. You've heard me talk about this before in many other episodes, becoming that professional information gatherer. Obviously, the best method is the old Larry Harbolt method that's getting face-to-face -face with the seller or in, in a different case, the buyer, whatever. But getting face-to-face -face and having an open, honest conversation, knee-to-knee, uh, -knee, looking at each other, taking it on. That's the most, I, in my opinion, the most neutral way to negotiate. Because as I said, you're not going to be able to guarantee, or not, first of all, you're not going to be able to convince the seller. And, it's, and this comes back to mindset. Once again, it's all about the mindset. Hopefully, eventually, that will sink in, is that it's about mindset. If you believe it to be the best strategy, you will exude that when you're talking to the other party. So if you don't believe that it's a good strategy, if you think it's risky, if you think there's a chance that you can't afford the payment or you're not going to make the payment or you're going to default, well, then you really don't have any business being in that negotiation in the first place. That's, that's my big takeaway from that. So first, get yourself in that mindset 
to negotiate. Have a conversation with the seller as far as guaranteeing cash flow for years to come. Yes, you have to believe that you are ready, willing, and able to make the payments. And for that to happen, you have to do your research. You have to do due diligence. And more importantly, most importantly, you have to do the math. Like the real estate guy say, if you do the math, the math will tell you what to do. Couldn't be more true. You have to break down the deal. You got to do your homework and make sure that the math, that it does turn into a cash flowing scenario. If the property can't support the payment, that cannot support the payment that you're agreeing to, well, then you have no busy, no business negotiating for that payment because we both know you're not going to be able to make that payment. In that case, you're just being dishonest. You're putting the seller together and you're making seller financing or terms more difficult for everybody else that goes behind you. So just don't do that. If you're unable to, this, this, this should help you negotiate more favorable terms, frankly, when you're sitting down with the seller, is having that belief. Well, I would love to give you $200,000 for your house. The problem is if I give you $200,000 for your house and I pay you $1,000 a month and this thing rents for $1,200, i am not going to have enough money left over the end of the month to pay the bills. If I can't pay the bills, I'm going to fail. If I fail, it's going to wind up costing you money. So let's refocus and let's have a, a new discussion about where we need to get these terms to where they make sense to guarantee success. And you look them straight in the eye or you have that direct conversation with them and explain to them that your, your only way you're going to do business is if both parties succeed, that everybody wins and that you can, in good faith, cover the debt service. You've got to make sure that you can do that. Once you've structured the numbers to the point to where you cover that, you know, they got the debt service covered. Well, then you're golden because you, then you can speak in confidence, confidence that you can get the bill paid. And when you have that confidence, you're going to be successful. I guarantee you're going to be successful most of the time. Of course, you're going to just find some closed minded sellers that all they can, they can't think past the pile of cash on the kitchen table. However, with these people, when you have that conversation, you ask them, one of the things I ask them is, if I come back in a year and visit that pile of cash sitting on the dining room table, is it still going to be there? And of course, they're going to look at you like you got three heads. The answer is usually, no, it's not still going to be there. Well, why not? Well, the reason is because I'm going to spend it. Well, what are you going to spend it on? Or I'm going to put it in the bank. Either question is going to take you down a different path. Let's start with, I'm going to spend it. What are you going to spend it on? Well, it's none of your business. Well, it, you're right. It probably isn't. However, if I know what you plan on doing with the cash, perhaps I can make you an even better offer that will better help you accomplish your goals. What do you think about that? Oh, like what? Well, I don't know because I don't know what you're going to do with the cash. As soon as you tell me what you're going to do with the cash, then I can rewrite this offer to make it more advantageous for you. Oh, okay. And maybe use a segue like that to try to get them build that rapport, get that no like and trust thing. No like and trust is the most important part of negotiations. If people don't know you, they don't like you and they don't trust you, you're not going to get anywhere with them. No word all. Now, if they tell you that you're on the other side of the coin, if they tell you that you're they're going to put the money in the bank, now you can have a discussion about compounded interest or having their investment grow over time. That's one good scenario. The cost of living goes up every year. 
find something on the table, bottle of water, pack of gum, whatever, and ask them flat out, this bottle of water costs a dollar today. Will it cost a dollar next year? The answer is going to be, well, no. Let's say that it costs a dollar five next year. What are you doing today to hedge against that inflation? And again, they're going to look at you like you're strange. Well, think about it. If I make the same amount of money every day, but the cost of goods around me goes up, what's eventually going to happen if I don't make some adjustments? Well, you're going to go broke. You're absolutely right. I don't want you to go broke. If I give you $100,000 now, that 100000 is not going to be worth as much if I give it to you right now because you're going to spend it. And next year, when you go to buy something else, whatever you, that bottle of water is now $1.05, $1.07, whatever the price may be, but it's going to cost more money. It's going to need, it's going to take more money out of that pile to accomplish the same result. If you plan on buying another property and you're going to wait six months to do that or a year to do that, Property values keep going up and up and up. That property is going to cost you more money. One of the ways that you hedge against that is to take on debt on the new property. That way it helps you hedge against inflation. Now, whether or not this is successful really comes down to how well you explain it and the degree of savviness of the seller that you're talking to. There's some people out there that they're not, they're going to have a difficult time if you, if you talk over them or if you try to sound like a smart guy, you're going to confuse them and you're going to blow them out of the water. So you have to talk at the level of the person without being demeaning or condescending because that, that could be very easily done. And then you're going to have an angry seller on your hands and it only goes downhill from there. But have that conversation and get used to, and it just takes practice, get used to looking them in the eye and being confident with what you're saying. There's a big difference between confident and cocky. And yes, women can be cocky too. I ran into one just recently, a realtor. She had all the questions, to, all the answers to life. Just ask her. There's nothing you could tell her. But realistically, she was a train wreck. It scares me to think that woman represents clients. But, you know, it, it, what can you do? Now, whether or not they take payments, the, most people's initial reaction. And I just had this happen to me last night at a RIA meeting. I was talking to a, an owner about a, a vacant lot. And his first response when I talked to him about terms was that he's too old to wait to collect the money. And I said, you're absolutely right. I'm sure you, well, I didn't say you were absolutely right. I said, I understand where you're coming from. I don't want to wait forever for my money either. However, what if, not saying that I can, but what if I could structure the note to allow you to get all the proceeds or the majority of your proceeds a year from now and help you mitigate some of your tax liability this year does that interest you well that made his eyes his ears perk up a little bit well what about my taxes after that i'm like well we can structure it any way you need to help mitigate that tax liability how many years of tax liability do you want to get out from under he says well five okay five years and then what are you going to do in year six are you going to pay all the taxes then well no okay so you're he was 60-some years old now. What if we structured this to where we could reduce your tax liability or at least spread it over the next 10 years, so to speak, therefore reducing your tax liability and spreading it out over several years because then every year you have an opportunity to make plans. You can sit down with your CPA, make plans on how to spread out that 
tax liability. For example, year one, you're going to do, you're going to buy a little mobile home. And year two, you're going to have write-offs on a, on a rental property that you've got. And year three, you're putting a new roof on one of your other properties. Year four, you may have some stock market losses or things like that that you can hedge against your taxes. Lots of different strategies, millions of strategies if you got the right tax professional to do the, help you with this stuff. But it gets their mind going. Now they're open to the idea. They start thinking about it. And don't think that this is something you're going to walk in and walk out. Part of the problem with America is that everybody feels that you have to get it done in the first go-round. If you can't close them right away and, and club them like a baby seal, as people used to say, then you've lost. You haven't lost. It takes time. This is new concepts. You're teaching them new ideas. It takes time to set these things up. I truly do believe that a polished, trained professional can definitely acquire real estate with none of their own cash. I believe that's 100% possible. How do I know that? Because I've done it myself. To date, all of the real estate that I've acquired in the last few years, not one bit of it has been with my own money. Not one bit. Because I've learned, number one, how to negotiate with sellers. I've mastered it. And now I teach other people how to do the very same thing. The bottom line is I have convinced myself because it's fact that it creates a true win-win scenario for both me and the seller. When everybody wins, the only answer is yes. Think about that for a minute. When, only, when everybody wins, the only answer is yes. So really it comes down to educating the other party on the features and benefits, having that conversation. I don't care what objection somebody can come up with. You can overcome it if you take time. But if you are in a rush, if you think that you're going to walk out, they're going to roll over on the floor and say, here's the here's the deed to my house. Well, probably not. And if you go with the mindset that you're taking advantage or that, you know, you're going to be a, a one hit wonder and, slide in and slide out or that for some reason you don't plan on, on doing the right thing with this property and you're not being honest with it, well, then you're probably going to fail. And frankly, you deserve to fail in that case. Now, if things like learning things like this, if learning skills like this, this is the stuff that we, when, when I'm on my coaching calls, I talk to my clients about. When I sell a property for another party, when I'm working as a realtor, I always encourage my sellers to offer seller financing. Seller financing is a very powerful strategy that can be used to attract a large number of buyers to a property. Those of you that are out there wholesaling, think about this. If you're wholesaling a property, everything I see up and down the street is, we'll buy your house in, in, in 14 seconds. Well, that's fine for some people, but not everybody wants their house gone in 14 seconds. Sometimes they simply don't want to use a realtor for whatever reason. I can think of 10 reasons right now myself that I will keep to myself. And I am a realtor, so I can say that. But you don't know every person's situation. However, what if you could negotiate as a wholesaler, negotiate terms for your buyers on a property, even if short term? How more successful could you be? How many buyers would you need on your list? Now, in the wholesaling that I've done, I've been very successful, more successful, frankly, with a smaller number of buyers. I have a very large buyer list. 
But out of those, that huge buyers list, there's only a handful that consistently buy for me over and over and over again. That's part and parcel is I've got a lot of tire kickers on my list. I got a lot of want, you know, a lot of dreamers on my list that don't have, that probably don't have any money. However, I'm finding houses for buyers, not buyers for houses. And when I can negotiate terms, I know what my buyers are willing to pay. So when I go in and negotiate, if I've got four or five buyers that are interested in the same house, I know one buyer may have 10 grand to put down, but the other guy's only got about three grand to put down. And the guy that's got three grand to put down really can't put it down for two weeks. So I need to, but armed with that information, when I go talk to the seller, I can structure a deal to where it makes sense for that particular buyer. Then I bet you if I can get it to make sense for one buyer, I can, it'll make sense to anybody I send that out to. Bottom line is I make it easy to buy from me when I have a wholesale transaction. I make it easy for my, for buyers to sell when I do a retail transaction, but it takes the time to educate the seller and to find out number one, why are they selling and what's their pain? Now he goes on and further says in my limited experience with talking about owner financing, it's always like a two to five year balloon style loan. You know, a balloon isn't the absolute only way you can get a loan done in a short term. One of the ways you can do it is to write a 30 year loan, let's say to make the payments manageable. And the first thing the seller's going to say is, I don't want to wait 30 years for my money. Nobody wants to wait 30 years for their money. Heck, the banks don't want to wait 30 years for their money. That's why the minute you sign those loan documents, they've sold it out the back door before you even left the closing table. I've heard of loans being sold three, four times in the same day. Probably more than that goes on. I just don't realize it. Bottom line is you, you write a note or create a note, negotiate terms that make sense, and then provide an exit strategy the seller can live with. Hey, Mr. Seller. I know you want 100000 for the house. How about we do this? And I just had this conversation the other day, actually. We'll write a note for $120,000. i am going to go ahead and make you payments based on 120000 over 30 years. And then in 12 months, after you've, you've, I've made a successful 12 pay, monthly payments to you successfully, you're going to turn around and resell that note at a discount for 100000 And that got them, their ears perked up. So you'll get what you want. You'll get your hundred thousand. I'm okay paying one hundred and twenty because the really the tenant's paying the bill anyway. And frankly, in thirty years, I'm going to be so old I won't even remember what I agreed to in the first place. All I know is that they're going to keep writing checks. And that's why I have a CFO. But for me, it's predictable expenses, so that makes sense. A lot of people I talk to are so focused on the purchase price that whole concept blows their mind. But 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 I'm paying one hundred and twenty thousand. No, you're not paying one hundred twenty thousand. The tenant, many tenants together as a team are paying 120000 30 years from now, are you going to really care when it gets down to or 20 or 25 years from now? Is it going to matter? That note is enabling you. It's allowing you to make cash flow. What does it matter within reason? Pad the note a little bit. Provide some incentive. Heck, think of what you're, half of that you're going to save in closing costs. If you think of the closing cost on $100,000, that's about $4,500 right there. Depending on which lender you use, if you went to a lender, then you got a, a, a appraisal and this and that and everything else and origination points. I mean, granted, my lender doesn't, the one I use here, he doesn't charge any of those fees. That's Frank from Lincoln Lending, Frank Cotto. So I will say that if you're in Florida and you need a mortgage and you don't want to pay all these ridiculous fees, who does? Call Frank Cotto, 
there's my 10 second commercial, but focus on the seller's needs and then structure a deal creatively that makes sense and accomplishes their goals. Perfect example, this man had two vacant lots. So we negotiated with him on those two vacant lots that in 12 to 18 months, he'll get his money. Now, in that case, his realtor was still stuck on the fact that, no, he needs his money now. Well, that's ironic because I just he, we just had a 30-minute conversation with him where he said, no, that's fine. That works for me. That's a perfect thing. No, but he needs his money now. Well, no, he doesn't. We just had the conversation to where he's fine with it, those, those terms. He thinks that's a great idea. He's just happy that he doesn't want to have to cut the grass. That was his real pain, come to think of it. He didn't want to cut the grass on these two vacant lots. And he thought it would be a good idea to pay off his next property so he wouldn't have any payments. But once he realized that the new buyer could make the payments on his new house, that got him thinking. And now you guys are thinking, how does that work? Well, it's real simple. The payments on the new place are $1,500 a month, come to find out. That made him very nervous. Having to come up with $1,500 a month for payments on his new little duplex on the beach. So we had a conversation of what if we could offset some of those payments? What if we could pay $500 a third of that? What if a third of that payment went away? How would that make you feel? That'd be awesome. How do we do that? Well, let me ask you this, Joe. What if I made even more than that go away? How would you do that? It's real simple. Give you $500 a month till paid on the two lots for 100000 now you're going to rent the other side of the duplex. That's going to help to basically eliminate half of that $1,500 bill. And that's a great idea, Tyler. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've been sitting here sweating it and not knowing how I'm going to make that mortgage payment. And I'm 65 years old, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to live, but I don't want to be living like a pauper the rest of my life. See, nobody had ever asked him, number one, why he was selling, and number two, what he was going to use the money for. He thought it would be a good idea to pay down the mortgage on the new property. I said, Joe, if you make $50,000 down payment, extra payment on your mortgage, it's not going to affect your, your payments at all. Your payments are going to remain 1500 He said, they are? I said, yes, they are. The only way the payments would change is if you refinanced and got a new mortgage to replace the current one on your new property. He didn't realize that. So when we did the math, remember, do the math. The math will tell you what to do. When we did the math, he discovered that there was no financial incentive for him to pay off that mortgage early. Frankly, he's not going to live long enough. He's not going to live 30 years, chances are. So what benefit is it to him to pay off that mortgage early? More importantly, we got him focused on how much liquid cash do I have every month? Streams versus piles, folks. Streams versus piles. Going to have an episode about streams versus piles coming up soon. But when you start focusing on streams of income, which is the mindset shift that we changed, this is something I work on with the coaching clients a lot is getting their mindset away from piles of cash into streams of cash because life is a lot grander. It's much better to have several $200 checks coming in every month versus one $5,000 check that's unpredictable. But by changing the seller's mindset, by having a conversation, 
we were able to have that conversation and we were able to make us make a arrangement that made sense. Now the last part, one of the next part of this question was, uh, in my opinion, he was talking about a two to five year balloon style loan in this question, going back to the original question. He says, which in my opinion may or may not make the best decision depending on the way the market goes in the time period when you are forced to get traditional financing at the time the loan is due. I agree. The, Balloon payments are, I don't like balloon payments because now I have to worry about going to get institutional money in some cases to pay this off. I don't want to go through that drama. I can't stand going to the banks. They have no use for the banks. Or there has to be enough equity in this deal to attract a private money investor to it. So when you when you sign on to these balloon payments, instead of structuring the loan the way, the note the way I said, structure it so it could be resold to another investor down the road. The balloon payment means that you absolutely have to bring a check to that guy. It's your responsibility to bring that check on there. That All that responsibility shifts onto you. That's a huge responsibility. I would avoid putting yourself in that position. Now, as far as what is the best time to buy, here's the thing, folks. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. If you're buying for cash flow, there is no wrong time to buy. Because at the end of the day, what it matters is what is your net? Are you able to maintain cash flow? doesn't matter what the market does. I don't care if the property value drops by 50%. I don't care if the property value increases by 100%. As long as my cash flow stays consistent, I'm not concerned about the property value because I'm not investing for appreciation. I'm investing for cash flow. Last part of what he says here is, will seller financing only work if the property is owned outright by the seller? No, it will work if he does have a mortgage in place. It does get into an extra layer of complexity. I've been talking to that. Actually, one of my coaching students brought that up. Basically, what you do is you structure a a uh, subject to. There's many, many different ways you can do this, but one of them is structuring a subject to. And when you st- well, that means you're buying it subject to the existing mortgage. In many mortgages, there is what they call a due-on-sale clause, which, if that's the case, does lead to an extra layer of complexity or could lead to an extra layer of complexity. Banks are kind of close-minded. you got some cubicle worker that could be not having a bad day and decide they don't like the idea of, of their the deed transferring, the insurance changing, things like this. There are ways to work around this. Using a land trust is one of them. Structuring the land trust in the name of the current owner with you as the trustee or beneficiary is one way. Larry Harbolt teaches that strategy in his land trust seminar. Uh, it's more lengthy, of course, than what I can go into on this show. That's why you really should think about reaching out to Larry if you have questions about that. If you're interested in, in that class, just go to cashflowguys.com forward slash Larry, L-A-R-R-Y, cashflowguys.com forward slash Larry. But that is one strategy you can use to allow the title to, tra- to change and not trigger the due on sale clause. Lots of other ways you can do that. Um, however, don't think that there's only one option. There's always more than one option. But folks, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to spend with me today. As a reminder, if you're stuck, you need help, you want to get on the phone with me, have a free 30-minute strategy session so I can help you get pointed in the right direction, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. You're on Facebook, which I believe everybody is, and you want direct access to all of our videos, the stuff that I record, the Q&As that I answer to members of my community, go to my Facebook group. Easiest way to get there is I made a pretty link. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. 
that will take you directly to my Facebook group, and you'll have to request membership because it is a closed group. Try to keep the dirt bags out as best I can. And uh, request a membership there. I'll be happy to let you in. It is not an advertising site. Don't post wholesale properties and all that garbage in there. That's not what it's about. That is a education site that is free to any listener of the show. There will never be a charge for that particular Facebook group. That is there to help you all learn to earn. That is our mission. We want you to learn to earn without the $130,000 guru price tag. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me today. Lastly, if you're interested in talking to me about coaching, you want a strategy session about coaching, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash coach. Thank you and have a great day. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.